Alright my people, this is your man El Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. We're going to get your work week started off right on this Monday afternoon. I'm going to cover all the biggest stories over the weekend. I'm also going to highlight what else I got planned uh, over the course of this week. But let's get right into it. Like I said, we have a, a little bit to talk a bit to talk about today. So let's get right into it with the word on the street. And it looks like Trump and the U.S. has decided to pull troops from Syria. This will be about 2,000 troops. And this is effectively ending a four-year-long military campaign. Although Trump had uh, promised originally to stay in the area to fight ISIS. Uh, this quote here, we have defeated ISIS in Syria. My only reason for being here during the Trump presidency basically says that we've pretty much done our jobs and I'm moving on, which I, I find I give him some props for that. I'll pat him on the back for that one. Uh, and this is despite concerns coming from the Kurds who are facing, uh, well, let's just say the Kurds and Israel and that whole area is facing a whole lot of drama there. It looks like Turkey's getting involved uh, in issues with the Kurds and Israel, of course, is facing attacks from different uh, terrorist organizations, including ISIS and also Hezbollah, who work together as what as from the research that I've come across. Uh, the U.S. is, however, reporting that ISIS, the ISIS empire, or you could say the uh, territory that they once controlled, is less than two percent of its original size. So uh, it seems to it seems that they've done a good job in keeping it down. However, not like I said, not everybody is in agreement, and a lot of the people that are not in agreement is guess what? Coming from his own party. Uh, take a look at this quote here from Republican Lindsey Graham uh, from South Carolina: "A decision." to withdraw would also be viewed as a, a boost to ISIS, uh, ISIS's desire to come back to come back now this is a very interesting quote because again i think it leads to more into the friction that i'm start that i feel like i'm starting to see within the republican party i'm starting to see that there's a rift between hot hard line uh it seems to be maybe i don't know if it's, a, it's if it's so much region as opposed to you know maybe because real staunch really literal conservative republicans uh, who do have a religious leaning and then you see these new era trump type republicans who really don't have that religious background but you know but have all the business connections which is you know Partly, you got to remember, that's what the Republican market always was. It was always free market, free enterprise, and no government intervention in terms of that. So there really was no race or there really was no uh, sexual or feminist cause for them to ever have. It was always big business, it was always the corporation. You got to remember that about that, about that party. And, uh, but again, there's always that strong racial uh element there with amongst them especially if you go to the south so that's just the the hand in hand that goes within that party and i think trump more aligns itself with the businessman aspect of it as opposed to necessarily the race but that doesn't make him necessarily the greatest guy ever uh because we're gonna get more to another another story dealing with our government and uh that that shutdown that we've been talking about that shutdown that's been looming it's still going on we are in three uh sorry day three of that and as of today like i said there has been no uh in insight to it uh the senate has failed like i said to come up with a spending agreement uh this is the third time this year that this is that we have had a shutdown and i think that's a significant number because 
what we, what we are seeing is that the government cannot function with each other with this uh, this this head here at, at, in charge with with Trump in charge and with this 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 uh, Senate that the Republicans and you know the the House the you know even the Congress even though they're not the, ma the, the majority at the moment in the House uh, just the candidates that the Republicans are bringing in are just not help. It seems to be that they're not helping the cause, and maybe there is there. Is, of course, there's ineffective, you know, politicians on all sides. But what we're seeing now is really strong divisions between more parties than ever before. And like I said, there's factors within each party, in my opinion. So I think this is what's leading to all this confusion and all this uh, unwillingness to work with each other. These these parties are trying to fill figure each other out well themselves out uh first this is what it's starting to seem like to me uh but the the closures will continue until after christmas so more likely thursday uh if the, if a deal could possibly be reached by today if a deal could have been reached uh by today there could have been a vote but of course that's not going to happen and trump is talking about uh he's alone waiting on the democrats to do a deal with him and all type of bs but Again, uh, this is the issue here. Vice President Mike uh, Pence and the uh, GOP are planning to spend two point well want to spend two point one two point one billion dollars on border security. The Democrats only want to spend around one point three billion. Really, Trump wants to spend five billion and just get the wall done. I, I think that's crazy, but you know that's what he wants. That's the president. His party is, of course, wants to spend more on uh border security national security which and i i get it but i think more it should be more so for intel as opposed to kicking people out or all that i think we could do a lot more in terms of uh getting some type of um getting some type again some type of interpol system together where we can actually track these people with some type of identification uh, i think you know with global glo with globalization and some of the negative aspects of globalization and just some of what we've done as a government we we played a very big hand in the poor development of some of those latin american countries so we could give but at least give back by you know allowing them to develop on their own and, and then allowing uh them to you know have some type of identification systems have some type of uh methods in which they can thwart these drug dealers in which you keep complaining of because we don't allow them to uh we just give them crappy factories and we don't allow them to you don't even pay them right so again there's there's uh just like trump in the words of trump there's, there's blame on all sides for this including his own side so uh, again I, I what i'm starting to see is the what i am starting to see though is fissures and divisions between even between with it well even within i don't want to say between i want to say within uh party line so you start you're starting to see a new form of democrats uh come about uh with uh, casio and some of the other strong feminist leaders there uh that are preaching a lot of socialist uh type type stuff uh you do have a you always had an african-american presence there and now you're starting to see one uh someone in the conservative realms uh you're also starting to see again you know very staunch conservative uh republicans breaking uh well not necessarily breaking tradition but holding on to tradition at the risk of pushing away new uh new fresher uh members for their party uh this is the, there's a dichotomy within both you know parties that 
I don't think people see just yet. Uh, I think both parties are, are both parties are more and more starting to look like bullshitters because again, nothing's being done, nothing's being accomplished, and they're just taking time off. Yeah, but guess who has to pay taxes still? We do. I don't like it, especially when we only got a two percent tax cut. I'm gonna keep driving that in there because somehow y'all thought that was cool. I'm not. I'm not cool with that. That was one of the worst decisions of the year. Again, here we are. We only got the two percent tax cut, but they want to close up, close up shop because they want the holidays off. Okay, remember that, y'all. Remember that. Remember that about both sides when you vote again. I'm just saying this is what actually was happening. Fuck all the bullshit. Anyways, I'm gonna take a quick break. When I come back, we're gonna talk some college football. Uh, the early National Signing Day happened uh, just recently. It was this weekend. We're gonna go dis- uh, dissect that and go through the top 25 recruiting classes as of yet. And uh, we're also gonna go over the scores over the weekend as well. They had some uh, ball game action, so we're gonna go over those ball games as well. Go over the stats and all that. You already know how we do. And then uh, after that, we'll get into some NFL action, of course, NBA and college hoops. You know how we do it at this time. So, right, like I said, I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back, y'all. All right, y'all. I am back. Like I said, we got some college football news here. And, of course, we had the early National Signing Day. This is just the first signing day of the year. Of course, we have a later uh, later one on in the summer. But, of course, all the high school prospects uh, have made their intent. Uh, well, they signed a dotted line. They have chosen where they want to play next year. So, we're going to go over the best the best recruiting classes so far this year. And we're going to start with number 25, Wisconsin. They brought in 19 uh, recruits, four four-star kids one five star and number 24 we have Ole Miss uh, one of the more one of the deepest uh, recruiting classes with 28 bodies in total five four-star recruits they're looking to make some noise in the SEC West in a couple of years at number 23 we have Nebraska 25 total recruits five four stars as well that seems to be a good uh, good recruiting class good start uh, for the new head coach Scott Frost down there uh, they had they went defensive heavy in this recruiting class as of as of late of course it's going to be another one later on in the summer but they got four in uh, defense four star defensive end Ty Robinson and they also got three three players in the second second there that are over six foot two so they're looking to play some defense next year and uh, hopefully get something going uh, get something positive going out there in Lincoln at well, number 22 we got Arkansas they brought in 27 kids eight four-star guys at 20 uh, 21 we have Mississippi State 22 recruits in total seven four-star kids they're also looking to make some noise they've been on the recruiting uptick as well in the past couple of years of course Bama dominates the SEC but we'll get to them course that's always the same uh at number 20 we have usc uh they brought in 20 guys so far they have nine four-star recruits again it's only a matter of time the big question is when did they crack uh the ceiling and go to the pac 12 i say they gotta wait a little bit and i'll tell you why a little bit later at number 19 we have south carolina they are uh they're currently uh well they currently have 19 recruits they brought in five 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 sorry uh, five five stars, actually one five star, and four four star recruits. And at number eighteen, we have Washington, twenty one recruits so far, twelve four star kids. They're looking to be a a fixture in that Pac twelve. That Oregon Washington rivalry, I'm telling you, it's starting right now. That's gonna be solid going the next couple of years. 
the Pac-12. I'm telling you, y'all keep sleeping on us. We'll be back. Give us some time. We're gonna be we're gonna be there at number 17. Like I said, Pac-12 is back. Stanford, 20 recruits, eight four-star kids. Again, we are looking to challenge you guys on a national scale. We're not afraid of Florida. We're not afraid of Bama. We're not afraid of none of you guys. Wait till USC is right. Uh, number 16, we got Florida. They brought in one five-star guy, uh, nine four-star kids, 21 recruits in total. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 21 recruits in total. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 21 recruits in total. Excuse me. At number 15, we have um, Tennessee. They brought in 21 recruits, uh, and five, uh, one five-star, eight four-stars, uh, including the guard, Dante Lucas. That's the Best player that they got so far. Uh, he definitely needed some help along the offensive line. They've had a pretty solid running game the past couple of years, and also uh, decent quarterbacks. But they haven't really had really because they haven't really had consistent guard play. So they did some good pick. They made some good pickups there, and also they picked up a few good tackles as well. Uh, moving on to number fourteen, Florida State, uh, nineteen total recruits. At number thirteen, of course, we got Texas coming in the Longhorns, twenty-two recruits in total, thirteen four stars. At uh, number 12, we have Auburn. Uh, they have 17. They brought in 17 recruits, one five-star, uh, 10 four-star kids. They're looking to challenge, of course. At number uh, 11, we have Michigan. Uh, Michigan brought in 27 recruits, one five-star, 15 four-star recruits, including uh, safety Dexton Hill. They also brought in multiple four-star tackles and guards, and they also got the running back, Zach uh, Charbonnet. This team is looking to rip a new one in the Big Ten. Eventually, I don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, maybe with Urban Meyer finally stepping down at Ohio State, this is their chance. Yeah, this is their chance because if Jim Harbaugh can't get it done now, he might as well go back to the pros. At number 10, we got Ohio State. They're number 16 in nation uh, in terms of recruiting. 16 recruits, three five-star kids, eight four-star I thought this was a good year for them uh, overall and how they played. This is this definitely a factor in how well they recruit. Uh, they they will they, they're going to be a fixture in the Big Ten for years, even despite Urban Meyer not being their head coach. Uh, uh, their new coach that they have now is definitely a disciple of Urban Meyer, so it's going to be basically you know business as usual. usual. Uh, Urban Meyer will be will be teaching some type of leadership class there, so you know that's all going to be the football players going to be in that class. So, you, you know, it's 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 nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change at Ohio State. Uh, they they're going to probably lose every now and again. They'll lose a game every now and again, but for the most part, and they might not win a championship every year at this point. But you know what? They're going to be they're still going to be a fixture, especially with this recruiting recruiting class. Excuse me. And number nine, we have Notre Dame. Uh, they're recruiting rather well the past few years, despite being you know uh, very academic school out there in the Midwest, but this year, so far, they brought in 21 recruits, and they've got 15 four-star recruits, again, which is a significant number for a school like that. Again, they're pretty much uh, like, you know, Stanford in terms of academic uh you know, requirements. But again, they've been quite successful the past few years. They are in the college football playoffs. So there you go. At number eight, we have Penn State. They brought in 18 total recruits, five, uh, five, sorry, one five-star and 16 four-star recruits. You know, Penn State under uh, James Franklin has recruited a lot better. Of course, it's you see that result resulting on the field. Uh, but again, another solid recruiting class for him, especially in that school like that. You're in, in the Big Ten like that. You got to compete with Ohio State. You got to compete with Michigan. And being in the Midwest, you're definitely gonna have to compete, compete with Notre Dame. And to bring in 16 four-star recruits uh, and a five-star guy. 
they're going to be looking they're going to be looking like monsters next year in my opinion uh number seven we have oregon and now they this is one of their best classes in their entire history they brought in 22 recruits uh they have a one five-star guy they have 11 four-star kids including the number two overall prospect the defensive end the great pass rusher Kayvon Thibodeau I've seen him in action he's a fucking monster oh dude we're, we're going to be, I'm telling you, the Pac-12, baby. No, y'all don't want it with us. I'm telling you, we're smacking y'all. Uh, overall, this was a good year defensively for them. And one of their better years defensively. And I think of all the, I'm, I'm telling you, in the next couple of years, in terms of our ranking defensively, you'll see this significant our defense and defense significantly significantly rise over the next couple of years with these guys. They got uh, linebacker Mace Funa, uh, uh, cornerback Mikael Wright, also the best JUCO transfer in the nation, offensive lineman uh, Malasele uh, Amu Amuave Lalau, and, and that's what I'm saying, our offensive lineman. So we're beefing up all over the place. We we, we got better on three stages of defense, defensive. Line, Line, linebackers, cornerbacks. We also got better, of course, on the offensive line. You already know the running backs we bring to the table. You already know about the about the wide receivers. We have a pro-rated quarterback that's about to be drafted in the first round by one of these bums in the NFL. Stop sleeping on the Pac-12. We finna take a national title in the next couple of years. Alabama goes down to a West Coast team. It's probably going to be my Ducks. I'll put money on it, and you can laugh at me all you want to. I know what I'm talking about. At number six, we got Clemson. They brought in 27 guys, two five-star recruits, 11 four-star uh, recruits. Clemson is looking to be a, a perennial powerhouse for the next five or ten years. I don't want to. I can't be. I can't talk too much stuff about them. They recruit. They recruit too well, especially on the defensive line. I like them. I like those guys. At number five, we have Texas A&M. Twenty-five recruits, two five-star guys, twelve four-star recruits. Jimbo Fisher looking to bring his second year in with a bang. I think he might get an upset win in the next. I think he get might. I think he should get an upset win in the next in the next year. And also, I think he challenges for the SEC West possibly this year, if not definitely next year. At number four, we have LSU, 21 recruits in total, three five-stars, 10 four-star recruits. I like uh, who they were able to bring in. Uh, they got a lot of balance again. A lot of these top teams are bringing in uh, – Good guys, you know, four-star talent or five-star talent on every level of defense. So offensive, or sorry, defensive line, secondary linebackers, also the same, same thing on, on offense, really. They're bringing in skilled guys, you know, quarterbacks are recruiting quarterbacks well, and they're recruiting running backs well, uh, running backs well. So moving on to number three, we have Oklahoma. They brought in 22 guys, two five-star kids, 12 four-star recruits. Uh, Again, another solid year for Oklahoma. Uh, Lincoln Riley is looking to take them to the national championship eventually. I don't know if they could beat Alabama though, not with the way that they play defense. But moving on to number two, we got Georgia. We have they got they brought in twenty one guys, excuse me, five five star recruits, fourteen four star recruits. They have the most number of five star recruits brought in this year so far. Um, and uh, their best recruit so far is the number one overall recruit, of course, uh, defensive end, Nolan Smith. So, again, they're going to be ready to get after the quarterback. They already have a legitimate quarterback so far. They have a legitimate running game. Man, it's a matter before time before Alabama might take an L to them and an important L to them. Uh, but 
so far to still the number one team in this in this recruiting class so far uh, we have Alabama 26 recruits three five-star kids 22 four stars uh, they got a four-star uh, recruiting uh, Jordan battle and they also signed 11 of the top 100 players in the nation and all but one player that they recruited which is their their kicker is a four or five-star recruit you ain't beating this team in the next couple of years Nick Saban does it again. Damn, he did it again. Oops, I did it again. Got the number one class. About to win a trophy again. Does it annoy you? Kind of. Shit, I got to watch it on my birthday. I wasn't expecting to watch you on my birthday, but whatever, dude. Anyways, we're moving on. We got some ball game action, of course. Uh, we got... First and foremost, we got Birmingham in the Birmingham Ball. Memphis uh, taking the L to Wake Forest, thirty-four to thirty-seven. Uh, let's go over the jo uh, Dollar General Ball. I only wanted to go over this one because I like the name Dollar General. Shouts out to my my Dollar General patrons. I'm a Dollar Tree patron, so yeah, there you go. Buffalo. Took an L to Troy in this one, 32 to 42. Buffalo finishes the year 10 and 4. Troy finishes 10 and 3. Both solid uh, finishes for both teams. Uh, 10 wins. I think that's solid for both of these programs. They normally don't do this well. So, uh, regardless of win or lose, you kind of got to give them a pat on the both teams a pat on the back. But going through the stats for Buffalo, uh, in terms of passing, Tyree Jackson went 20 of 35 for 274 yards. He also threw a touchdown, uh, threw a pick as well. In terms of rushing, Jared Patterson led the way. He had 67 yards in the touchdown. Kevin Marks also had 40 yards on the round and provided a touchdown. In terms of receiving, Antonio Dunn had uh, Four catches for 87 yards. K.J. Osborne also had four catches for 57 yards and also a touchdown. And on defense, they were helped out tremendously by their cornerback, Tatum Slack. He had 11 total tackles, and they also got help from their cornerback, Brandon Williams, who had eight total tackles. For Troy, uh, they were led by their QB, Sawyer Smith. He went 31-44, 320 yards and four touchdowns. Monster game out on the ground. They were led by B.J. Smith, who had uh, 93 yards and a touchdown. And also, Sidney Davis had a 20-yard touchdown as well. In terms of receiving, Damian Willis led the way. He had 13 catches. Ooh, I like that. Uh, 101 yards and two touchdowns. Trey Edmonds and also Sidney Davis uh, caught a touchdown as well. And on uh, defense, their corner, uh, their safety, excuse me, said Sedarius uh, Rooker Ricard had uh, eight total tackles and an interception. And in the big game, ooh, this I want to talk about this one too. The Armed Forces ball, Army was. The Army came in there and smacked on Houston, 70 to 14. Army finishes the year 11 and 2, uh, which is really good for a service squad. That and by a service squad, I mean uh, Air Force Academy, Navy. Uh, they also yeah, it's just Air Force, um, Army and Navy on the FBS level. So I always want to give them a shout out, of course, because you know. They serve. They serve in our armed forces, and normally don't. They don't have records like this always. They're not, you know, always having a nationally televised game at the end of the year like this. But uh, at least Army. I mean, Navy's done well in recent years. Somewhat Air Force as well. But 
it's good look to see Army doing it too. They really had a good uh, rivalry game this year with Navy. So I, I like giving those guys a shout out. They really got a good win. Uh, they like I said, they finished their year eleven and two. Uh, Houston finishes eleven and five. I'm sorry, eight and five. Excuse me. Uh, but that final score, seventy to fourteen, a monster game. Especially because if for those of you who do not know, Army runs a triple option similar to what they do in Georgia Tech, where their quarterback does not throw the ball a lot. Well, let's get to the stats. Let's just get to these stats a little bit. We'll explain more when we get there. For Houston, uh, their quarterback, Clayton, to uh, Clayton Toon, excuse me, went 21 of 32. He had 230 yards uh, and a touchdown. He also ran for a touchdown as well. Uh, Patrick Carr uh, led the way on the ground with 52 yards rushing. In terms of receiving, Marquez Stevenson had eight catches and 72 yards. And on defense, they were helped out by uh, Emeke Egbule, who had eight total tackles. And for Army, again, like I said, they won a triple option type offense. So, you know, bear with me with these numbers, at least for the quarterbacks. Kelvin Hopkins Jr. went 3 of 3 for 170, uh, for, sorry, 70 yards. Uh, he also ran for 170 yards and ran for five touchdowns. So you've got to give him something for that. Uh, Cam Thomas went 1 of 1, but it was for a touchdown. So this is, like I said, similar to what Georgia Tech does. Uh, you're going to have multiple running backs, at least two t uh, running backs touching the ball in a game because you also got your uh, quarterback who can read and, and do some read option and move around a little bit and they're not opposed to giving the ball to a fullback uh i'm not mistaken uh a fullback, a fullback got some got some carries here. Artis Hobbs the fourth had 61 yards and also a rushing touchdown. There you go. There's your other running back, Connor Slanka and Cam Thomas, the backup QB. Like I said, uh, they also ran for touchdowns as well. And Jordan Asbury had 63 uh, yards and he also had a, uh, a receiving touchdown as well. And on defense, they were led by uh, linebacker James Nachtigal. He had 16 total tackles and three and a half sacks. Savage, savage. Oh, I, I saw the highlights of this game, and I'm watching this guy just all over the place, just 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 tackling everybody. Everybody was his, his pump, almost. And uh, Navy, I mean, sorry, Army had eight total tackles as a team. They smacked them boys from Houston. West Point, I salute y'all. That's how y'all came in on Iraq. It was just, bam, give them the boot. I feel like Black Chappelle. They try to kill my father. We rocked them bammers. They rocked them bammers. God damn. Put the boot to them. They came on y'all like the shores of, shores of Normandy one time, Houston. I'm sorry. I got to. Man, I'm going in on y'all right quick. But I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to get over some college hoops. Uh, we're going to go over the top uh, top 25 scores of the weekend, over the weekend, of course, Saturday and Sunday. And then uh, we're going to get into some NBA action, too. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. I am back. Like I said, we're going to go over the top 25 action over the week. The weekend, excuse me. And uh, let's get right into it with the scores from Saturday. Grambling State took an L to number 16, Wisconsin, uh, 53 to 84. Uh, we got number eight, Tennessee, getting it done against Wake or Excuse me, number three, Tennessee, getting it done against Wake Forest, 83 to 64. Uh, Iowa. Uh, number 23, Iowa got it done against Savannah State in an easy one blowout, 110 to one, uh, to 64. Excuse me. We got number five, uh, Virginia getting it done against William and Mary. Uh, I think that's in Virginia too. Uh, but the score to that one is 72 to 40. I'm gonna break this one down. I haven't really broke uh, Virginia down just yet, and I want to talk about. I always want to get into a habit of talking about the top 
the top 10 teams in somewhere or another, whether it's in the top 10 breakdown or doing the scoring, just so y'all get an idea of who these, who, at least who the top guys are, get a good idea of who they are or who the big players are in college basketball. And it does switch every week to week. So you'll hear about somebody new every now and again. So I think it's cool to keep it fresh and cool to leash, let y'all in on who's who and who looks like what, who looks well, who you might want to look at, who you might not want to look at. But get into it. Uh, let's uh, let's get into these stats real quick. Um, William and Mary, the highest score for them was forward Nathan Knight. Uh, he had 22 points, five rebounds. He was a godsend for them because nobody else on that squad had over double digits. Uh, as for Virginia, they were led by DeAndre Hunter, their forward. He had 18 points, four rebounds, and also three assists. Kyle Guy also had some help, uh, added some help with 16 points and seven rebounds. William and Mary goes down to four and eight on the season. Uh, I'm sorry, number five, Virginia State's undefeated at 11 and 0. And uh, from what I'm starting to see so far from Virginia is some solid defense, of course. Uh, that's the main thing. Uh, 72 to 64. 64 is a pretty pretty good number to keep teams at in terms of scoring but again this is William and Mary they have not played any uh conference uh conference game any conference games yet and of course for those of you who do not know they play in the ACC and uh to elaborate more on the ACC that's a really top basketball conference uh US UNC North Carolina is ranked there from the ACC uh Duke is a top 10 team maybe I think even a top 5 team there from the ACC uh North Carolina State, uh, they're a good ACC team who can get upsets against ranked teams. So this is not a cakewalk of a of a conference. So I I I hope. Well, I they can play some offense. I think, uh, but I hope that defense can carry because. Their offense isn't blowing. I'm not seeing that their offense is blowing teams out of the water just yet. Uh, but moving on, let's get through some more of these scores. Uh, we got Nebraska, number 25 in the nation, getting it done against Cal State Fullerton, 86-82. to uh, Number 11, Florida State, got it done against St. Louis, the Bellicans, uh, for those of you who not sure about St. Louis. Uh, 81 to 59 is, is the score there. Number 15, Ohio State went on the road and got a good win against UCLA, 80 to 66. They looked pretty damn good in that one. I saw the highlights to that one. Uh, Michigan, number four in the nation, got it got it done against Air Force. Easy game for them as well. 70, 71 to 50 is the score there. Auburn, number seven in the nation, had to fight off Murray State, the Racers. 90, not the racists, excuse me, the Racers. Racers, guys, horses, 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 y'all. <laughs> 93 to 88. Uh, we also got, uh, like I said, UNC. I mentioned them before, but this time they take the L to the SEC. Uh, the number 19 SEC uh, Kentucky Wildcats. The score here is 80 to 72. Um, uh, let's go through the score, through the stats of that one. Excuse me. Uh, Oops, excuse me, excuse me one second. Okay, uh, we, for Kentucky, we got Keldon Johnson, the guard, leading the way. He had 21 points. He actually led all, all the scores with 21 points, three assists, and also three rebounds. And also, Reed Ford, Reed Travis, had 20 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. As for UNC, North Carolina, guard Cameron Johnson once again led the way for them. 17 points, four rebounds, and two assists. And for Luke May had 16 points and six rebounds. Like I said before, Tyler Hansborough. 
2.0. But he has a little bit of range. He has a little bit of range. Uh, moving on, uh, we got Jacksonville losing to Indiana, number 22 in the nation, 64 to 94 to score there. Um, we got, oh, we do have an upset here, upset alert. We got Arizona State pulling off the upset against number one, Kansas. Of course, uh, Arizona State uh, is number 18 in the nation. Kansas is number one. Uh, Arizona State got that got that W, though, 80 to 76. Uh, let's go through, the, go through the stats there. Uh, for Kansas, their leading scorer, matter of fact, the, the leading scorer out of all teams was Dedrick Lawson. The forward had 30 points and also 14 rebounds. I call that the top performance of the weekend. Uh, they also got help from their guard, LeGerald Vick, as usual, 14 points and two rebounds. For Arizona State, they were led by guard Rob Edwards. He had 15 points and four rebounds off the bench. Lugens Dort, their, their star shooting guard, only had 13 points, five assists, and four rebounds. In the last couple of games, they've been playing against some quality opponents, and he has not showed up. I don't know if all the hype is just there yet. I'm going to keep my eye on, bruh. But uh, also for Zach Cheatham had 13 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, moving on, we got a number 17, Mississippi State, getting it done against Wright State, 67-63. And Sunday in the ooh, the big game, and I'm going to put quotes on that. Uh, Houston, number 21, was able to get it done against Chopping State seventy five to forty four. Uh, again, Houston beats. Oh, oh, and uh, in terms of, uh, I'm sorry. Let's go back to Saturday just to just to clarify on that record. Ten, uh, Kansas now ten ten and one, and Arizona State is now nine and two. Uh, but going to this final game here for Sunday again. Houston gets it done against a, I would say, an inferior opponent. Uh, let's go through these stats here uh, for that. Uh, for Coppin State, they were led by Ford Cedric Council Jr. They, he had nine points and 12 rebounds. And also guard Lucian Brownlee had eight points and two rebounds. For Houston, guard Corey Davis Jr. had 16 points, five rebounds, and two assists. And also Ford Breon Bradley had 13 points and three rebounds. Again, Houston goes on to 12 and 0. They remain undefeated, but Coppin State or Chop. State uh, was zero and fourteen after this, and um, and, and again, you know, it might look good for Houston, but again, I don't see where they've been challenging themselves a lot just yet. I'm looking to see. I'm looking to see them in a real pitch battle against a top 25 team. Uh, with that being said, I do believe that they have some type of defense. So if they do, if their defense is as good as I think it it should be, uh, then I'm thinking, you know. They can at least keep the top 25 teams at least to maybe 65, maybe 68. That would mean that they would have to, you know, score 71, 75 on those on those top teams. I don't know if that happens. They, I mean, they could keep those games close, but I don't I don't see them beating the top the top teams in the country right now. They just uh, from what I've seen. I mean, of course, they've been they've been blowing teams out, but again, they're blowing out teams that are that are winless. So I'm not necessarily uh, buying them just yet. Uh, but in my next episode, uh, I will be going over the top 25. So we're gonna go over some some more of these teams. We're gonna get deep, a little bit deeper. Uh, but let's move on to the NBA. Of course, we had a bunch of action there. Uh, let's go through the scores from Saturday. Of course, uh, we got the. Uh, the Nuggets getting it done against the Clippers, 111 to 132. We also got the uh, Heat getting it done against the Bucks in the upset, in my opinion. 
84 to, I'm sorry, uh, 94 to 87. We also got the Thunder beating the Jazz, uh, 107 to 106. That was a close one right there. Uh, let's talk about this one. I like this one. This was the high scoring. Uh, this was the high score game of the weekend. Uh, we got the Wizards getting it done against the Suns in overtime, 149 to 146. Uh, like I said, let's break this one down real quick. Uh, for the Wizards, uh, I'm sorry, for the Suns, TJ Warren led the way. He had 28 points. Eight rebounds and four assists. Uh, Devin Booker also had 13 points. Uh, sorry, 33 points and 14 assists. And DeAndre Ayton, the rookie, had 26 points, 17 rebounds. So the Suns are scrappy. Uh, their record might not indicate it, but they're scrappy. They're willing to play. They're not going to give up on you. Uh, but in terms of the Wizards, uh, Bradley Bill had a monster game. A really solid triple-double, 40 points, 15 assists, also 11 rebounds. Uh, 31 points goes to Thomas Bryant, the center. He also had 13 rebounds. And Jeff Green, you don't hear that name a lot, but he also had 20 points and 8 rebounds. Uh, moving on, you also got the Raptors uh, losing to the Sixers, 101-126. to We're going to break this one down, too. Uh, for the Raptors, uh, their highest score was uh, Pascal Siakam. He had 26 points, 6 rebounds, and also 2 assists. Kyle Lowry also helped out with 20 points and 6 rebounds, as well as 5 assists. Uh, for the Sixers, Ben Simmons led the way. He had 26 points, 5 assists, uh, sorry, 8 assists, and also 12 rebounds. Uh, you got J.J. Reddick getting 22 points, 5 assists, and also 3 rebounds. Joel Embiid, he did his thing getting 27 points and 11 rebounds, so a solid double-double for him. Uh, for those records, though, the Suns are at 8-25, uh, the Wizards are at 13-20, and, and for the Raptors, they still have the best record in the east uh they are the 25 and 10 and then you've got the sixers they are at 22 and 12. Uh, i'll be going over the, the uh, conference standings for the nba my next episode as well uh but moving on to sunday's action uh we got Oh, to the, let's, let's finish off the rest of Saturday. We just have a couple more scores here, actually. Uh, the Rockets beat the Spurs 108-101. to And also, the uh, the Warriors got it done against the Mavericks 120-116. to All right, let's move on to Sunday. And uh, first things first, the Hawks beat the Pistons 98-95. to and I thought that was I thought that was a, a upset as well in my opinion. I was not expecting that. Uh, the Wizards lo uh, lose to the Pacers, eighty-one to eighty-five. The Bulls win a game, of course, is a week against the weak-ass Cavaliers, one twelve to ninety-two was the final score there. Uh, we also got the Suns uh, beating the. Um, I'm sorry, sorry, the Nets beating the Suns, 103-111. to uh, We got the Heat beating the Magic, 115-91. to uh, We also got the Pelicans uh, losing to the Kings, 117-120. to Let's break this one down. Um, I thought this was a really good game by the Kings, uh, but let's break down the Pelicans first. Anthony Davis, uh, Davis, excuse me, he had 26 points. Uh, he also had 17 rebounds and four assists. Drew Holiday had 27 points, seven rebounds, and also six assists. As for the Kings, Willie Cully Stein, he's coming alive. He's had a lot of these 20-point games, 17, a lot of these double-double games. I really like it. Uh, 22 points, 17 rebounds. Buddy Heald, he's coming along as well and in terms of his development. He had 28 points last night also six rebounds and Bojan Bogdanovic he had 24 points seven uh seven assists and four rebounds and I I, I don't want to I don't want to be the first to say it 
Uh, oh, and De'Aaron Fox, he also did his thing with a double-double. Yeah, I believe he had 18 points and 15 rebounds. I could be off a little bit on that. Uh, but, again, this is almost looking like the 0-2, Kings. I'm liking this basketball in Sacramento right now. I might have to take an hour-long drive to see them. I don't care. They're looking good right now. Uh, but at this point in the season, the Pelicans are at 15-9, and and the Kings are at 18-15. and uh, Moving on to the rest of these scores, I got um, – the Mavericks losing to the Blazers in overtime, 118 to 121. I got the T Wolves getting it done against the Thunder, 114 to 112. The Warriors win a close one to the Clippers, 129 to 127. I'm telling you, this Western Conference is getting mighty competitive, my Warriors fans. I wonder how you would feel in the next couple of years when y'all back to just being another, just maybe just a playoff team. Will y'all still be in droves like y'all was at the height of y'all pinnacle? I wonder. I wonder how these Fairweather fans in California react when their team starts losing. Look at the Lakers. The Lakers, they're like, they're like, a, they're they're there, but they're not as there's they're not as vocal as they were back in the day. Think about it. They're they're around, but nobody nobody in California really. I don't know. That's one thing I noticed. Unless it's the Raiders or the Niners. That's the only team I, I, I've seen that could be garbage and people just will love out here regardless. I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest. Uh, and then finally, we got the the, uh, the Grizzlies getting it done against the Lakers, 107-99. to The King gets denied again. Ooh. What y'all going to do in L.A.? Y'all going to need somebody. Who who they, who they y'all think they going to get? Y'all really think they going to get KD? I don't think so. They going to get somebody. I don't know who they going to get. But moving on, we're going to take another quick break, and when we get back, we're going to go over some football action, of course. Uh, I did not talk about uh, Martavius Bryant and Josh Gordon like I did in my last episode, but we are going to discuss them a little bit. Uh, that is the biggest news for that so far for the NFL. And then uh, we're just going to pretty much get into the scores over the weekend. And uh, so I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, y'all. I am back. Let's go through these NFL these NFL scores here. Uh, we got some action going back to Saturday, of course. Uh, we got the Titans beating the Redskins, twenty-five to six, uh, sixteen. Excuse me, staying alive in that ASC South race, especially since uh, the Texans took an L in Philly uh, Philly this weekend. Uh, we also got the Ravens beating the Chargers, twenty-two to ten. I call that an upset. I wanted to break this one down. I like this game here. I got a chance to, uh, to see it a little bit. Uh, Lamar Jackson led the way for the Ravens, of course. He went 12 of 22 for 204 yards. He also threw for a touchdown. He's looking like one of the best, one of the better rookie quarterbacks right now. I know, again, Baker Mayfield might have the better numbers, but for what it's worth, Lamar Jackson is getting it done, and it's looking like he might be the one to take his team to the playoffs, uh, more likely than not. So I like the way that they're playing. Playing right now, I like the way that he's playing right now. Of course, there needs to be adjustments made to his game, but you could say that for all of them. And I think his his adjustments will take his team really to the next to the next level. Uh, we also got Gus Edwards getting 92 yards on the ground. In terms of receiving, Mark Andrews had 83 yards, uh, and also he had a touchdown as well. And on defense, we had Patrick Onuwasur. He had nine total tackles and two sacks. So you know the Ravens was able to get after the QB. You know how they do. Uh, Philip Rivers, you know, I I saw I thought he was an MVP candidate 
last week. Now, I don't think so. 23 of 37, 181 yards, two interceptions. Melvin Gordon was able to get a touchdown on the ground, but I think only had 40, 40 yards in total. And in, um, in terms of receiving, uh, Keenan Allen had five catches and 51 yards. So, Baltimore's defense came to play. You can't take, you can't fault them for that. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not give the ball up, and I think that's the most important thing we need to be looking at uh, more so than anything else. Lamar Jackson has not fallen into the same, uh, the same pit, same pits that rookie quarterbacks tend to fall for. I'll give uh, Baker the nod for doing the same thing, but I, I do not see Lamar Jackson throwing too many interceptions. He does not throw many of them. He's not over overextending himself on any play. He knows when to run. He knows when to throw the ball for the most part. He just needs to work on those mechanics to become a better passer of the ball. Uh, but definitely a solid solid performance from him. Uh, solid performance for them all around. Uh, for the, the Chargers, uh, their defensive help came from say, uh, safety Adrian Phillips, uh, seven seven total tackles. Uh, but again, more more speaking of the praises, I want to I want to really build up Lamar Jackson. Uh, you don't really see, you know, because I, again, I I wanted. Uh, I, I I looked at him from the beginning, and you know when he first was talking about being drafted. Again, I'm gonna keep pushing that he wanted to be a a passer. He wanted to be the guy that the team relied upon for his arm, and I and I. Uh, applaud him for wanting to take that disposition about it because he could have very well taken the athlete route and could have just been the guy who could have been in here on gadget plays trick plays and you could have probably because of that you could have possibly see rg3 uh taking taking passes under center and we don't know if rg3 has the same effect of lamar jackson uh, i like lamar jackson again he does need to work on some mechanics in, ter in terms of passing but is he a leader yes can he get the job done yes do i believe in him yes and i'm gonna keep hyping him up yes on all on all accounts i mess with bro uh moving on um let's finish these scores out uh we got the bucks getting it done against the cowboys 20 to 27 uh, 27 to 20 excuse me uh the vikings uh beat the lions 27 to 9 uh the falcons were able to beat the panthers 24 to 10 and in another i, I thought this was a kind of semi upset the eagles got it done against the texans 30 to, uh, 32 to 30 uh the colts got it done uh they were able to beat the giants by 128 to 27 sans odell beckham jr uh, the Browns got it done again. Uh, the, the, sorry, the Browns got it done again against the Bengals, twenty-six to eighteen. And you got Baker Mayfield getting it, getting his feelings again, giving uh, Hugh Jackson some hurtful eyes. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, the Bills beat the Patriots, twelve to twenty-four. Uh, the Packers they got it done in overtime against the Jets, uh, forty-four to thirty-eight. Uh, the Jags they beat the Dolphins. Dolphins are trash. Dolphins blow it up. Uh, we got the the Bears uh, beating the Niners, fourteen to nine. Ugly score there. Uh, we got the Rams beating the Cardinals in a game that doesn't matter, thirty-one to nine. We got the Saints getting it done. From what I'm hearing from the refs' help, thirty-one to twenty-eight. And in the big game for the Sunday night uh, matinee or the Sunday night. Uh, 
late night show or well, just a late show uh the chiefs they drop they dropped one to the seahawks uh 38 to nine, uh 38 to 31 uh patrick mahomes he went 24 30 273 yards and three touchdowns no interceptions in this game so i'll give him that on the ground damian williams led the way he had 103 yards he also caught a touchdown as well in terms of receiving tyree kill had four uh four catches for 74 yards chad Derrick west also caught a touchdown pass as well uh, the running back on defense, uh, Chavarius, Chavarius Ward had eight total tackles for them. And also Alex Hitchens had about 10 total tackles as well. Uh, for the Seahawks, Russell Wilson had a, had a pretty damn good game. 18 to 29, 271 yards, three touchdowns. Chris Carson led the way on the ground. He had, a, he had 116 yards, two touchdowns. In terms of receiving, uh, Doug Baldwin had a monster game as well. Seven catches, one. 126 yards and a touchdown and uh the two tight ends ed dixon and also nick vanette also caught touchdowns and on defense bobby wagner had 12 total tackles and Deion jordan defensive end had five total tackles and a sack uh the Seahawks move on. I'm sorry. The Chiefs move on to 11 and four. Uh, the Chiefs are now signing at nine and six and have clinched a playoff spot. I like it. Uh, the Chargers uh, move on to 11 and four and are still they still got to battle it out with the with the. Um, I'm sorry, with the Chiefs, they both have one more game to play. Uh, I believe they're both going to be on the road. No, 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 no. The uh, Kansas City host is Oakland, and uh, and uh, the. The Chargers have to go on the road to face the Broncos. So the AFC West will be won this week. Uh, as far as the Ravens, they move on to 9-6. and six, And they, they are looking to take control of the AFC North. Ain't that about something? They're going to have one more week to prove that out. So do the Steelers. Uh, but for today, I'm going to call it a wrap. Uh, my next episode, of course, like I said, I was going to go over the top 25 for the co- for college basketball, of course. Uh, depending on the day that it comes out, I might even be able to put out some ball game action for you guys as well. Uh, I'm going to go be going over the uh, my Power 7 for the NFL going into the final week of the season. Uh, we're also going to be talking some more playoff football as well. Prediction is so on so forth uh there is a couple new stories i want to break to you guys so i'm i'm gonna be working i'm gonna be working on those excuse me and i'm also working on a review i've been looking at this new show lately called the in-betweeners on about three seasons in really nice show uh, i want to talk about it as well and then um also uh oh you know what and before i forget i'm gonna i i didn't get to it today you know, yeah, yeah, I didn't get to it today, but I, I wanted to talk about Martavius Bryant and um, and your boy uh, Josh Gordon because there's some more. And the reason why I, I've been holding off so long, my bad on that story, uh, but there's some more layers I keep finding out, at least for Josh Gordon, that I keep uh, uncovering. So I got to reread this article that I just came across. I'm sorry about that, y'all, but there was an article that I came across just recently that went a little bit deeper and uh i wanted to make sure i covered all the bases before i just started talking about my talking out of my head about it so i'm gonna i'm gonna hold off on that one for now but it will be ready for you guys pretty soon i just want to go over some things with that uh again um and any world any course the world on the street you already know about that y'all so for now i'm gonna call it a wrap for today uh somebody has not told you yet i love you this is christmas eve I'm not a Christmas person, but for those of you who are, 
Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays for all those who are in whatever festive move you are mood you are in. Uh, once again, y'all treat each other well. One love, peace out. I'll see y'all next time.